So we are doing something super exciting coming up. Very, very exciting and nerve wracking, but exciting. Oh, stop. It's going to be fine. So we are doing a live recording of the elected podcast, bringing on two other members of our campaign team, plus a few special guests. And there will be prizes. If you join us live, we have some good stuff for you. So you can learn more by going to electedpodcast.com forward slash live, and we will see you there. Really hope we won't have to take back anything we say on this podcast. Oh, we're definitely going to have to take back things we say. (laughs) Do we need to have one of those things where we like, we bleep? Uh, beep. This is going to be a train wreck, and I love it. Bring your wine. There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> we we live to see another week. 50 days out. Is that all it is? Uh-huh. Oh, all right. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be even less. Whew. It has both flown by and also feels like it's been years. For sure. Oh, my goodness. So much. So I was thinking today that we should talk about What I feel like is probably the biggest question that women have before they run for office. And I don't know that we've, we haven't really talked about it too much, but I think it's, I think it's really important because I just feel like this is going to affect every single woman listening. And that really is how do you balance it all? Because I mean, look, I think let's just be honest, right? Women tend to bear the burden of childcare and of taking care of the house. And even if you have a partner in life, you know, I think, and you, and you share responsibilities, there's just still a lot to do, right? I mean, you know, we have busy lives and, and I, you know, someone said this to me today, they said, how do you, or they said, I'm so impressed that you can balance all of this. And I hear that a lot. I'm not sharing that to be like, oh, look at me, but I mean, I guess the answer is you can't balance it all, right? I mean, there's there's so much and you're going to have highs and lows where you're being better to your family right now or you're spending more time focused on your job or you've thrown yourself into the campaign. But it is a lot. And I think a lot of women are afraid to run for office because of that fear of, you know, how am I going to do it all? Yeah. And I think there's like... And not an expectation, but a lot of women, when they go into their first kind of run or brush with politics, think that they have to do it all. Mm. Say more about that. What do you mean? Okay. So, well, I think a lot of the expectation for women is to have to do all of it, or at least that's what women say. I mean, it's a, a typical woman thing is to kind of take the brunt of the burden and just like 
carry on with it. Um, mm. And I think that's no different in running for office. I think it's just because, I mean, one, you shouldn't, you don't have to do that. I think that's the the, the, the point that we're probably going to try to make. And is, you, is that where we're going to land? Probably is that don't try to do everything yourself. Um, but I think, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times, like, especially if you're like a first time candidate running for office, you tend to overcomplicate things. Well, I think it's a lot of figuring stuff out, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it took us a while to figure out how to do this and how to set up this. And, and it, even when you have people who tell you, you know, who have, tr- who have run before and they can give you advice you still have to tailor it to your specific race and who you are and the moment and all of that. And, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, running the next time will be so much simpler because we have all of the systems and processes already in place. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, Uh, you know, but it does take a lot the first time and there is a lot you're figuring out and that takes time. Yeah, it does take time. As annoying as it may be, You just kind of have to let time pass a little bit. Well, I think you do. But I also think I want to go back to something you said earlier, which is that you don't have to do everything. And this is a really hard decision to make, because especially for, you know, anyone who's running as a first time candidate running against an incumbent it does, you know, you do have a tougher hill to climb, right? I mean, the incumbent has an advantage by virtue of the fact that they are already elected. They have resources, you know, that you don't have access to. They have name recognition. And so you do have to do more. I mean, if you look at the level of campaigning that not just my opponent, but other incumbents in the area are doing, they're doing significantly less because they can do significantly less. But we have had to build an entire, you know, campaign structure and get name recognition and and build this massive exposure strategy because prior to running, I, I no one knew who I was. And and that is exhausting. So on the one hand, I think you're absolutely right that you don't need to do everything. But I also think just to be honest, I think you, you know, there is more you have to do when you're brand new running again, you know, and and if you're not running against an incumbent, then maybe it's a little bit easier, but you might then just be running against other people. And so I think if you don't have that name recognition, if you don't have a network built up for this type of thing, uh, it is a bigger burden. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, you definitely have to like, campaigning is hard enough like time wise and like being away from like your family and all that. Mm. And then it's stuff that you like my family think of that you I remember those people. Yeah. (laughs) Well and then it's like you have to figure out things along the way. Like you have to figure out how to like build a thicker skin about some stuff. And it's like things that like you don't really focus a ton on. Like when you first like think about running? Well, it's running for office is emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. And I'm not saying all that to knock it. There are lots of really satisfying aspects of it as well. But 
it does hit you from all angles. And so I think you're right that, I mean, it looks, you know, people can, people can tell you, we can tell you, we can tell you what it's like, but you don't ever really understand it. I don't think until you're in it. And, you know, I do think a lot of women tend to live in a state of busy. So I do think women are actually better prepped Mm -hmm. to be able to run for office for that reason. But I also think you don't truly understand how hectic it's going to be until you're in it. It's it's very different than, you know, I think about nonprofits I volunteered for before or events I've helped plan. And it's a similar feeling in that sense because you've got a looming deadline and you've got to get everything done. But the difference is when you're running for office, to your point, there is also that massive criticism. And people talking about how you look and what you're wearing and your inexperience and, you know, or even just calling you names that have nothing to do with any specific aspect of you, but just because they don't like you and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I'm not sure you can ever really prepare yourself for. Yeah. And I guess like my question for you would be like, how was it, how would you compare it to being like, I've never had like a corporate job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that must be nice. To be <laughs> I mean, I've had like opportunities to work in corporate spaces, but it's not nearly the same as like being completely in it. Like what like what adjustments did you have to make? Well, it's it's very different. I mean, I think and obviously everyone's corporate experience is probably going to be different and it depends on where you work, but when you're in corporate, there are these unwritten rules. And not to say that everyone always follows them, but you know, somebody's probably not going to leave you a note that says you're a communist on your desk when you're in corporate or, you know, uh, I don't know, or take your picture and create a negative ad calling you some awful name or, you know, say something bad about your kids. Like these aren't just aren't things that people in corporate do. None of which have happened to you yet. So, well, some of that has happened to me. <laughs> some of that has happened. But uh, but that no, but it's happening to people we know, and these are yeah. things that are going on, and and so I think there, and I'm not saying that corporate is better by any means because there's still a lot of misogyny and there's still a lot of discrimination and harassment. I mean, no question. So mm-hmm. things are happening. I don't want to make it sound like this stuff isn't happening at all in corporate, but I think that's what's different when you're running for office is you are you become a public figure, and so. And so too, the criticism becomes public and the attacks become public and everything is played out on a public stage. And I think that's very hard for people who aren't used to being in the public light because it just feels so personal and it just feels like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it feels like, I mean, and and no, to your point, like my privacy hasn't been that violated, but there is, I think that constant fear of, you know, oh, I just want to, it's, it's that feeling that you want to just crawl under the covers and hide and have everyone forget your name <laughs> and forget your phone number and, and stop talking about you because even if it's not necessarily bad, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to be that upfront and center and really exposed to public critique. Well, then I guess, how do you bounce back from that? Like, what are your tips for like, after you've had like a really, really bad 
bad dead in the campaign trail or you see like stuff that you don't want to see you know it's i'm forgetting exactly what it was but there was there was that documentary recently that hillary clinton did and she talks about in there about criticism and about people saying nasty things to you and and again i want to be very clear it's not even just the nasty comments sometimes it's just the exhaustion of someone calls you and you have to call them back, you know, within 24 hours because it's an important relationship or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's it's that sort of constantly being, um, people think they can kind of have at you because you've put yourself out there. And so she talks about this and I'm forgetting exactly what she said, but it, it I remember thinking in that moment, watching her and thinking like she she did it. She figured it out. Like she learned how to let that stuff roll off her shoulder. And I just remember thinking that means it's possible. And so I think, you know, it's, I mean, you were there when I was called a communist and I was struggling to deal with it. I think we, we might've even done a podcast about it, but it's, I mean, I think a couple of things. Number one is having someone else manage your social media. And this is hard for me as someone who runs an online business and is very much in the social space. But it's so important to not be the one person, even if you're running, you know, a campaign for school committee and you don't have any team members and it's a, you know, low budget race and it's whatever. Just ask a friend, ask someone to be the person who checks your social media so that you don't have to read the messages or read the comments. I think that's a really good way to protect yourself. I also think uh, one of the things we've started on the campaign, and I do this in my business too, is uh, creating a what I call a love board, or in our case, it's a love channel because we have it on Slack. And it's basically where your team can drop in nice things people have said about you. Uh, and so whenever you're feeling down or you're forgetting why you got into this thing in the first place or you're feeling exhausted, you can go in there and just read through those comments. And, you know, in my business, we do it as a board. So like we literally put it on post-it notes. So it's actually um, right in front of me where my desk is. But it's, I think that can be really helpful as well because you you often forget that there are a lot of people out there rooting for you and who are really grateful. I mean, I was at, at the, you know, the little grocery store in town this weekend grabbing a sandwich and someone pulled me aside and I wasn't someone I knew. And I started, we started talking, you know, they knew who I was. And she said, thank you so much for running. And you forget, it's very easy to forget how much this means to other people. And so I think having reminders of that is good as well. But I also think the third thing I would say is to make sure you carve out time for your family and for self-care. And that that time, no matter what, is respected. You know, I you know that one of the things I've started doing is walking in the mornings. And I do it before we get on our meetings, which is great. So it it you know, it I wake up a little bit earlier in the morning, but not much to do it. And that hour, and I listen to usually a book on tape. I did I just say book on tape? I just dated myself. Obviously, I don't listen oh, to God. I obviously don't listen to a book on tape. I listen to a book on iPhone or whatever you want to call it. But um you know, but that one hour, and it, it's not a political book. I'm not listening to anything for the campaign or even typically anything for my business. And that one hour is so important because it just gets me in the right mind space for the day. So I don't know. Those three things I think are really important. Yeah. And I think like 
I don't know. Even, like, making time to, like, hang out with people who's, like, you're not on Zoom all the time or, like, mm. I mean, I guess for any other campaign year, we would say different things. We would um, see people in real life. <laughs> yeah, when, when you're allowed to see human beings. Um, I think that's that that's really important. At least, like, before all of this, like, earlier in the year, I think that was, like, a big thing. Um, I don't know. I started going to spin class recently. When you can get in. When I can get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I'm actually – I'm really glad you do because I, I think especially the campaign manager probably gets – you know, maybe the same amount, if not more of the brunt of the stress on a campaign. And so I'm really glad that you're taking that time for yourself. I think that's really important. And I think candidates should be doing what they can to enable their teams to take that time. For sure. And I think like, especially, I think it took a long time, at least for me to kind of build space for other things. I think especially in the beginning, you're so focused on trying to like impress or like get everything done are you trying to impress me well I was just trying to kind of <laughs> prove a point that I could like actually oh. do it I what was like, the point like, oh okay <laughs> with like a lot of people especially like being like really young mm. like you it, there's really like a big pressure to like prove yourself really really early oh okay I think well especially right now when there's a huge surge of young progressive right people coming up the ranks I think a lot of people think well is there going to be space for me oh that's interesting huh yeah it's it's interesting you said that I was it's so funny to me because I think that young people are really smart and we should let them be in charge of everything because uh I think young people aren't jaded yet. And, and I, I don't, I mean, this generation might be a little different. Well, fair. And I, and I guess I, I, I'm going to walk that back a little bit because I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I think there's a lot of value in people who have been fighting these fights for a long time. There's so much wisdom there. There's so much learned experience. Uh, there's so much support for people like me and your generation who you know, they, they're sort of willing to turn things over to. But I also think what's great about, you know, a lot of young people is they are, I, I think when you have your whole life ahead of you, there's an optimism with that and a, and a motivation that I think changes over time. Not, again, not in a bad way, mm -hmm. but as you, as you do more in life, you get to a point where it's less about what more am I going to accomplish and more about really taking in the current moment and what am I leaving behind? And so I think that's the cool part about where young people are at is, is they really are focused on how am I going to use this time that I have ahead of me to make the most impact. And I think we've seen that on local political campaigns We've seen that certainly on our campaign. And it always breaks my heart a bit when I hear young people say, you know, this campaign shut me out or they didn't listen mm -hmm. to us or they're taking credit for, you know, for what we did. I mean, I think that's just, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. And I think, 
you go on, you see these bigger, these presidential campaigns and you go to these bigger campaigns where it's a lot of people who have been in the business for a very long time. And I think a lot of the times those young people, especially people of color who don't have great experiences, kind of give up after their first chance because they've had such a bad time. Um, But they still have like incredible ideas and um, opinions. And it's like all these things that it's, if they were treated like a little bit better on campaigns, like early on, it would be, I'd wonder what the, what the world would look like right now. Hmm. Well, I think the dynamic of campaigns is very broken, right? I mm-hmm. mean, and, and this isn't just for young people, it's for candidates, it's for everybody. The, you know, this idea that you have to work 24-7 and you've got to burn out. And it's just, and I get, I do understand it to some extent because mm-hmm. unlike being in the corporate world, a campaign really does have a finite amount of amount of time and you only have so much. Uh, so many days that you can get everything done and every moment really does count. But I also think if we want to see more women in office, if we want to see more people of color in office, if we want to see more young people in office, and if we want to see more people who frankly are not independently wealthy in office, then we need to change the dynamic of how political campaigns are run. And, you know, I know that we haven't been perfect at it, but I think we we laid out what that looked like for us at the beginning. And again, while we haven't always made that the reality, I think even just taking that step to say like, this is what we're striving for. I think that's, I mean, that's why I'm always saying to you, like, make sure you take at least one day a week off. And I feel like you haven't been doing that the last couple of weeks. We need to get back <laughs> to that. But you know, because it's important. It, it it really, and you know, it's funny. I mean, even as I say that, I've been trying to do the same, like have one day a week where I'm just not doing anything campaign related. And when I'm able to grab those days, I feel really guilty and I start stressing and I'm like, oh, you know, other candidates wouldn't take this time. They would still be working. And it that's so dangerous. But yet that's the atmosphere that is perpetuated and supported by people in politics. And it's just not, it's not good for anyone. I take afternoons. <laughs> I'll well, take that's, a few hours here and there. It's hard like to take a full class. day. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to take a full day. But I think to that point, even if you can't take a full day, just taking some time and again, blocking it off on your calendar, not letting anything encroach on it. I mean, for me, that's kind of become Friday afternoons. And so, you know, that's really critical time for me. And I'm very protective of that. And I think that that's, you've got to build that into your schedule because if you don't, and it's the same thing with family time, you've got to build Mm -hmm. in family time in your schedule uh, because if you don't, you won't get it. That's just, that's the reality of it. We'll have to talk about the Friday afternoon thing (laughs) because... What? No, don't take my Fridays. Why? Nothing goes on on Friday afternoons. That's why I take them. I might schedule an inter- an interview or two the next few weeks. Who knows? Well, I won't go because it's my self-care time. Okay. <laughs> All right. On that note, I say we wrap it up because it's time for your spin class, isn't it? Almost. Not quite. I have to get ready in like a half an hour. Oh my goodness. Plenty of time. 
All right. Well, we will leave it there, but hopefully this was helpful. And I guess my parting words would be that, you know, running for office does take a lot of time. There's no question. And it is going to change your life and uproot your schedule while you're doing it. It is also very satisfying and a very, um, just a really incredible experience. But I also think you can figure out a way to balance everything. There's going to be give and take. And it's really just about setting aside time for for each of the different things that matter to you and setting that culture on your team that maybe you don't do that one more task, but that's okay because your health, your family time, your self-care is more important and you're really going to protect that. I like that. Um, what are my part parting words? Um, I guess my message to candidates if you have staff, if you don't have staff, if you have volunteers or interns, um, those people have lives too outside of of campaigns and they have their own families. And You do? Shocker. That should have been on the application. Yeah, I know. We didn't have an application. <laughs> it's true. We didn't have an application. <laughs> but I guess um, allow them to have the, the same space that you're getting as well. Yeah. Well, or, and even if you're not getting it, make them take it because they, to your point about wanting to impress, wanting to prove that they, that they can do it, they may not take it. And part of, part of the impressive thing might be having their own boundaries. Boundaries are good. All right, my friend, we are going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you for joining us for this episode of Elected and we will see you all next week. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Elected, the podcast. There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.